Hey there, you're listening to the Doing It Sober podcast, a podcast about everyday people living their best lives after addiction and alcoholism. Listen to the stories, the tips, and what's keeping these people sober every day. I am your host, Daniela Park, also an addict in recovery with over 13 years sober. I have co-written a few books, and have my very own recovery store. To learn more about me, go to doingitsober.com. Hi, everybody. This is Daniela over here at the Doing It Sober podcast, episode three. Uh, We are introducing a woman who has been sober since October 4th, 2012, Her drug of choice was opioid painkillers and alcohol. She was a stay-at-home mom with three children for 22 years when she came into recovery. She had been prescribed painkillers for a back surgery and instantly became hooked. She started abusing her pain meds from the very first prescription. All the while, she was also drinking three bottles of wine per night as well. Um, she dropped off her kids one day and she drove herself to the ER and told them she basically wanted to kill herself. And going to the ER that day was the single most important decision she had ever made. And after completing treatment, she moved into a sober living environment and she threw herself into recovery. She took commitments, got a sponsor, went to meetings, worked the steps, and her one of her children moved in with her and her boyfriend. You created a stable home life and developed a strong work ethic, but also found something you hadn't had since you were a child, a sense of fun and adventure. Introducing Heather Schaefer. Hi. Hi. Thanks so much, Heather. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, we're talking to all different people on this podcast, and you're a lot like me. You you t- you take it there right away with uh, yeah. anything, really, yes. right? Very much so, yeah. Okay. Now, are you still currently in a relationship? I am. So I um I got divorced very quickly after I got sober, um, okay. and then I ended up having a couple of those like random relationships early in sobriety that they tell you not to have. Um, I had a couple of those, but then I ended up meeting somebody within the recovery community and he and I have been together for five years. Wow. That's awesome. Now this is the kind of stuff that people want to hear about because like, like me too, I got into relationships when I was newly sober and you know, whatever it it gets you to stay, you know? Um, So what are some of the challenges in sober relationships or have things been really well? So when, um, when I met him, I had a certain amount of time. And so, and this was like, you know, it was everything that we were told not to do, right. That not to date somebody early in recovery. And I had some time and he didn't. So when we first got together, I, you know, I thought sobriety would be like sexually transmitted. I thought I could just make him sober. (laughs) Um, so I tried to like work his program for him, take him to my meetings, introduce him to people. Um, and that really didn't work. And I, you know, I was trying to like force my recovery onto him. So, you know, during that first year that we were together, he was going out and coming back. And I really had 
it one thing it did is it gave me insight into what it must have been like to be my husband when you know when I was constantly drinking and using because I couldn't even though I knew better like I couldn't understand why he couldn't just stay sober um and you know he eventually ended up getting his own sponsor he got you know he started going to his own kind of meetings and we kept our recovery separate and that that has been um groundbreaking for us when we started um kind of really getting serious because we do share that we have we have commitments that we share together um we have meetings that we go to together but we also have very separate um meetings and you know and people that we rely on that's amazing so i can relate with having that i know you were trying to help him but for me relationships were never healthy so i was always trying to whether it was push someone to do something or to just kind of not trust guys. Mm-hmm. When did you have that breakthrough where you just were able to let go and trust that everything would be fine on his own? Or was it hard for you to do that? It actually, the that came when I was ready to let it go. That when I, um, after he had kind of gone out and come back and gone out and come back, I'd gotten to a point where I was just done and I was just going to let it, you know, it was going to be whatever it was going to be, but I wasn't going to stay in a relationship with somebody who was still using. And it was actually when I came to that point that things started to kind of fall together. So once I stopped, you know, trying to force things um, and I was ready to be alone and I was ready to just let everything go, that's actually when it started to work, which seemed counterintuitive, but it very much was kind of that turning point. Gotcha. So do you, obviously you're a 12 stepper. Um, do you, is there any particular program that you go to AA, NA? I generally do AA. Um, and it's, you know, I, I did NA in the beginning and I definitely, you know, I found, I just found the meeting to be, or the, the message to be a little bit simpler in AA. Um, you know, it wasn't, I, I found a group of people that I liked. I found a lot of meetings that I liked. So, you know, I chose AA basically for the kind of simplicity of it and because it was easier um, just to get to. Uh, you know, I would have done NA probably. Um, the, the working out of the NA workbook was a little bit more difficult. But, uh, yeah, I've definitely, I, I've, I've done both programs, but I've stuck with AA for the longest. Got it. So the 22 years you were at home, were you, did you know you had a problem like with alcohol or was this, was it causing issues in your family? The alcohol took a little bit longer. Um, you know, like I had said, I got, um, you know, I didn't, I'm not one of those people who, who drank at an early age and realized, oh, this is what I've been missing. Mm. So I was able to drink socially for a really long time. And I got married really young. So I spent kind of my entire twenties, um, either having children or breastfeeding children. So I, kinda, <laughs> I didn't, I missed that whole kind of party scene. So, um, so alcohol didn't really come into play until I was like in my thirties, but the, the painkillers was like an instant. I had a, I had a back injury and they gave me those. And I was like, these things are fucking amazing. I can't, I got the house clean, you know, the kids were good. <laughs> it's like, Oh yeah. Like that, that feeling was scary. And I, from my first prescription, I had started abusing them because I went in to refill it and they said it was too early. And I was like, well, I could come back. And he's like, (laughs) not like the time of day, like this is a 30 day supply. And you know, it's been nine days. Oh my gosh. So (laughs) when did it stop working for you? Um, 
it had stopped. Um, my tolerance built up so high that the, you know, the amount of pills that I was taking would have looked like a suicide attempt for like a normal person. And, wow. um, and, you know, it's the, the high would be, you know, shorter and shorter, and it would require more effort to, you know, to get to that place where I felt any kind of relief. And then eventually it just started making me sick because I was taking so much of it. Um, you know, I'd gotten to a point where even just the act of swallowing pills would make me throw up and I would sift through like my own vomit to find undigested pills to wash off and then take them again. And, you know, I like hearing that because that's the insanity of what we do, you know, yeah. to, to somebody else who doesn't have these type of issues, they, they're obviously going to cringe at something like that, but I yeah. totally get that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> might even absolutely. get in your vomit. No. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, now your relationship with your children, did they, uh, suffer in their childhood and how did you mend that? So by, um, my kids, when I was, you know, and of course, I think like all alcoholics or addicts, I didn't think that what I was doing was affecting anybody else. And there was certainly a point in time where, you know, the alcoholism and addiction eroded my maternal instincts. Wow. So I wasn't, you know, I wasn't necessarily, I wasn't present for them. I definitely did a lot of parenting from the couch. Um, yeah. And, and with each subsequent child it got worse so my you know my oldest daughter didn't see as much of it until she got older and then the two younger ones um definitely knew that i was kind of checked out a good portion of the time yeah i would take my son with me when i would go buy drugs and you know i told him it was for you know for something else altogether and like i would leave him in the car and go buy drugs uh when i went into treatment um, one of the catalysts for me getting help was my um, my daughter my middle child was 14 at the time she had a conversation with me and told me i was a shitty mom mm. and and she was right and that was that was sort of the the catalyst that sent me into treatment and then i think as the kids have gotten older like i did my amends to them cuz my kids were 12 14 and 17 when i came into treatment my oldest one had gone off to college. My other two were at home. Um, I wish I could have somehow done that more gracefully. Um, you know, but I did, I dropped them off at school on a Wednesday morning and I never went back home. So that took, you know, that took a lot of, you know, repairing and a lot of talking. Um, and as I've gotten older, there's been, you know, the amends were, were pretty simple in the beginning, but as I've gotten older and they've asked, you know, more questions, the, you know, I've, I'm constantly redoing my amends to them and, and explaining in depth kind of what that was like, but it, they were mad. I mean, they were all definitely mad, especially when they realized that it was like taking their birthday money. And, you know, my grandmother had left an inheritance for my kids and I used their, you know, I used their money. So they were definitely mad, Yeah, <laughs> but it's, it's good now they have a healthy fear. Um, I think especially of, of painkillers, um, you know, they're, they're terrified of the whole pill thing. Uh, but they, you know, we have a, a much better relationship now, but it did, it took, it took a while. Yeah. Well, gosh, you sure have come a long way in, you know, what is it? Five years. It's incredible. Uh, seven. Seven. Yeah. Wow. I've never been good at math. <laughs> and that's a pretty, easy... no, I mean, you, you've come a long way and it's, I believe, um, I, I'm a 12 stepper. It's just how I got sober. I don't know any other way. Yeah. Um, that, that journey for me is really, you know, helped me to stay sober 
there's so yeah. many tools. Now, one thing that caught my eye that you mentioned, um, you got a second life and you have a huge adventure and fun, adventures and fun life. So you can have fun in sobriety, right? It's amazing. I have, I was never able to be spontaneous before I got sober. So, you know, everything had to be planned around whether or not, you know, I was going to be able to get drunk or if there was going to be, if I had enough pills or whatever it was. So there's no spontaneity in my life. Right. And now there's, you know, I act like a kid. I go do stuff that, you know, that is just, it's fun. I go on hikes. I never, I would never go outside before. Like, I, you know, if I had to go from my house to the car, that was about as much outside time as I had. <laughs> oh, yeah, so I get it, it. It's, um yeah it's just it's it's mind blowing to me the stuff that i do now it's like even i look at my life sometimes i just like can't believe i have this it's pretty incredible you also mentioned that you were living in the sober living home and you actually ended up managing 15 sober living homes yeah is that hard because you're working your program and then you've got everybody else around you and those people are sometimes very ill yeah. when they come in damn they're sick yeah. <laughs> Um, so how do you manage your sobriety along with that? Are you still doing that stuff? I do. So, um, you know, sober living, it, it was, you know, cause I, I did the detox and then I went to treatment and then I went to sober living right after that. So I don't, I don't believe that I would have been able to stay sober if it hadn't been all of those things that were involved. And, you know, I considered myself a pretty cliche, like soccer mom kind of alcoholic, you know, addict. So I didn't have a lot of experience <clears throat> with some of the harder drugs. I didn't, I didn't know people who were doing heroin. I didn't know people who were doing meth. And then I moved into one of these houses and all of a sudden, you know, I'm seeing all of these things and I'm hearing about all these different experiences. And, you know, it just so happened that I ended up, um, it was just kind of a seniority thing. I ended up being in the house long enough that I ended up managing the house and I kind of took to it. Um, and then I got the opportunity to be a district manager. And then I had like 15 of these houses. And so I was working with different treatment facilities to get people in. And then, and you get, and you see people at like their most broken, they come in, you know, a lot of times their families don't want anything to do with them. So they're, you know, they move into these houses and a lot of these people had, you know, big homes and then they come in and they're sharing a room with like three other people and you've got all these different personalities. And, you know, and everybody's at various stages of, um, you know, of their sobriety and most of them are early sobriety. So you get a lot of different personalities, a lot of different conflicts. It definitely taught me more as far as like empathy goes. Hmm. Um, I also, you know, one thing about being an addict and dealing with other addicts is that game recognizes game. So <laughs> I've done yeah. all the lying. I've done all the bullshit. So right. it's kind of, yeah. But it's it's the most amazing job. It's like you know, there are days when stuff happens that people just would not believe, and yeah, you know, it's just because it, a lot of the people that come in are dual diagnosis too, so they're dealing with a little bit of um, you know some mental issues. Mm -hmm. So it's I love this job though. It's crazy, but I love it. It sounds very rewarding because you're helping people and you're learning more about your own patients and mm -hmm. and i love those little godshot miracles that you see with people when you know they just get that light in their eye or they yeah. say something or do something that you know changes their life forever or if someone comes back and says hey you remember saying this to me i'll never forget it you know yeah. it's such a magical time when 
we first get sober, um, the people that you're interacting with, and it's so important. So that's it's, cool. you know, there's, you see a lot of, you know, I've seen more death in working in this job. You know, I've had people who think that they're just going to go out for one last time and like tie one on before they come into sober living and then, and they die. You know, I see people go out and relapse who don't make it back in. So, you know, that helps keep me sober because I see what the, you know, what happens to people who aren't, you know, able to stay sober. And it's not, I've, I've been there when I've taken a, you know, a 23 year old girl off of life support who, you know, had oh. alcohol and Xanax and, you know, I've helped. I helped a mother identify the body of her son, you know, like that kind of stuff is, you know, that's the stuff that I kind of think about. And I think about my kids and I think about my family. And then, you know, at the same time, I had somebody just send me a wedding picture who had been in and out. I kicked him out so many times. And he's <laughs> such a, such a little douchebag, but he, <laughs> he, he finally got it and he got sober and he just got married. And, you know, so it's all these different experiences that, you know, that kind of helped me and, and bolster me and, you know, keep my sobriety sort of fresh. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. If somebody Absolutely. wants to talk to you about recovery or sober living, or, you know, there are a mom out there that just has questions. Do you, would you mind um, if I put your email at the Absolutely. bottom? Absolutely. No, totally fine. That'd be great. Great. So what are you, uh, name three of your goals for next year. What are some of your goals? Uh, what are my goals? Um, I would actually like to finish getting my KDAC, so my my license to work as a counselor. Yay. Um, you know, I I don't. I'd like to get my my nineteen year old son out of the house, but I don't know if that counts as a goal. I'd like to get him into. Well, his- <laughs> we'll count it. I'd like to get him into his own place, and I'd like to be a little bit more self sufficient as far as just the financial end of it goes. So I'm kind of working on learning how to budget. Hey, that's some of the things that I had to learn. <laughs> um, any anything you want to say to the people out there, sober mom, uh, single moms that, or just moms that are struggling with alcoholism? I think that you know one of the things that was hard for me was I think that people expect that if you're a mom and if you're a wife, that should be enough. Like that should be fulfilling enough, and you should be able to find your worth in that. And I struggled for a long time with. Uh, the fact that I felt like I had failed because that wasn't, that wasn't enough for me. Like I didn't feel like I amounted to much other than being a wife and a mother. And I think it's okay for women to admit that there's, that they can do more and that there's more out there and that they don't have to just be, you know, fulfilled with being a mom and a wife. Thank you. Thank you so much, Heather, for uh, coming on the show. And absolutely, thank we'll you. We'll be for checking me. in with you next year uh, at this time to find out what happened with your goals. <laughs> All right, excellent. Thank you. <laughs> All right, thanks again.